Hey guys, welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Classical Conversations. Are you concerned about your child's current education that it won't give them the skills necessary to succeed in any area of life? I would highly consider joining Classical Conversations as a homeschool family. That's what we do to homeschool our kids. It's the curriculum that we use. By applying the classical Christian model of education, the Classical Conversations curriculum encourages students to learn how to learn and how to think for themselves so that they can adapt to every challenge that life throws at them. That's my favorite part of Classical Conversations. It's not just teaching them what to think, it's teaching them how to think. My kids are learning how to learn, which I think is the biggest skill that they need to have to send them out into the real world. You can join over 50,000 families in 50 countries who have chosen to educate their children through Classical Conversations. There is a community near you. You can find one by going to classicalconversations.com forward slash dad tired. Again, that's classicalconversations.com forward slash dad tired. I've told you guys this before, but my dad left when I was three years old. I'm in my mid thirties now, and I'm still just now figuring out all the ways that that has impacted me. God's actually done some really cool stuff in my dad and in my relationship with my dad. Like we're, we're just learning how to restore our relationship and what I never imagined our relationship could be. Like God's just been really gracious and, and uh, we're getting to know each other and we actually talk quite a bit now. But for most of my childhood growing up, I, we would only talk a couple times a year, see each other a couple times a year at most. And uh, at the age of three, he decided to do his own thing. He's apologized for that. He's really owned up and manned up to the decisions that he's made that hurt me and my siblings. But yeah, he's just, uh, he, God's working in him in really cool ways. And, and so, but that doesn't change the reality that I grew up without a dad. Like I said, I've spent the last, I don't know, decade really diving into how that has impacted me. I think for most of my 20s, I would have said it didn't impact me. Like I would have always said as a kid, teenager, and early 20s, like it's all I know. So it didn't really affect me too much. I remember those words like specifically coming out of my mouth saying it didn't really affect me because it's all I know. And then in my late 20s and early 30s, I realized I was able to just maybe be a little bit more self-aware and mature, a little bit more mature to connect some dots like, oh, this behavior is directly tied to my dad's absence. Or the way that I think about these kind of things or myself or my identity is directly tied to my dad not being there. And uh, so anyway, I, I haven't figured that all out. I'm still in the process of figuring that all out. My buddy was here the other day, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, but he was talking to his dad on the phone, really basic stuff. Like he was like, hey, I'm going to fly back home on this at this time. Can you pick me up from the airport? It was like a really normal, basic conversation. And I felt myself getting teary-eyed as I'm listening to him talk to his dad. And he hung up the phone. He's actually about to be a counselor. So obviously that caught his attention that he saw me emotional and he's my best friend. And he's like, dude, what's going on? And I was like, I have no idea. For some reason, hearing you talk to your dad and just hearing your dad be like, yeah, I'll be there, pricked some nerve where it was like, I'm again realizing how much my dad's absence affected me and impacted me. So we talked through that and uh, all that to say, I'm still figuring that stuff out and I'm in the middle of it. I highly encourage you, regardless of your, if your dad was always around or if he was never around or any kind of dad things, emotions that come up, just try to be self-aware, zoom out, try to t make some ties to behaviors and thoughts regarding your childhood and your relationship with your dad and see if those things can connect. And maybe it might be helpful to process that with a friend or another group of guys or something. But I, I highly, I think it highly impacts who we are as men, 
the way that we were raised and specifically the relationship that we have with our dad. Once I started to make that connection that I was like, okay, my dad wasn't there and that impacted me. I was really convinced that not having a dad around was the worst thing in the world. Every child needs their dad in the home, speaking identity over them, making them feel safe in every area, not just like physically safe, but emotionally safe, spiritually building them up. I think one of the biggest roles that dads play is giving them identity. Like, this is who God has made you to be, and I'm going to speak that identity over you constantly. From the time you're a baby all the way until I send you out into the real world, I'm going to constantly point out who God has made you to be and secure your identity in Christ. And I think when we don't have that as men, what we find is we grow up to be men who are really just, we have men bodies and uh, <laughs> voices and beards. I don't have a beard. I wish I could. But you know, you, you pretend to be this man, but really you feel still like an insecure boy. I think a lot of dudes feel that if they were honest. I don't think a lot of dudes are honest about that. But I think if they were honest with themselves, a lot of guys still feel a deep sense of insecurity and you don't really know who you are as a man. And so you're trying to, you're scrambling, you're, you're reaching everywhere for somebody to tell you, you have what it takes and you're good enough. And so some of us are finding that through work if you just can crush it at work, somebody will pat you on the back, or maybe you'll get a raise. You might be financially rewarded for your hard work or your skills and your talent, and somebody will say, hey, you're doing a good job. And that feels good to hear that, and a lot of us long to hear that. And so you you reach for it at work, or maybe you reach for it in sinful ways, somebody else to tell you, some other woman to tell you that you're doing a good job, or you look for again, maybe just stupid habits. I say I say stupid, but it doesn't have to be necessarily like stupid. It could just be like silly things, like you crush it at some hobby that really has no impact in eternity, like fantasy football. Or I always throw fantasy football on the bus because I used to be really big into fantasy football. But you know, you just spend time on doing stuff, hoping that somebody would be like, oh, you're good at this. Or you, you've got a lot of talent in this. Or man, you're doing a good job. But at the root of all of that, whether it's you're finding that, that affirmation in silly things or stupid things or sinful things, at the root of all of it, you trace it back, and it's really just us longing for, as men, somebody to tell us we're doing a good job and we have what it takes. A lot of this, by the way, we love to hear that from our wives. Our wives have such a powerful voice in us, our lives as men, to tell us, I see who you are. I see your flaws and your strengths, and I believe God's made you to be a man to lead us and to do well and to that you have what it takes to, to lead our family well. Like Those kind of words from a wife, man, they're powerful. But I think, again, all of that can be traced back to this deep longing to have a man tell us, hey, this is who God's made you to be. And you can be confident in your sonship in Christ. You have what it takes because God has adopted you into his family and he's called you, and he's redeeming you. And yes, you're not perfect today, but God's making you new every day. He will finish what he started in you. And so if he started by calling you and drawing you to himself, he will finish that. He will complete that work in you, and you are becoming the man God desires you to be. And right now, like by his spirit, he's given you what it takes to lead well, to love well, to protect, to serve well. So anyway, I think that's a huge, <laughs> I went in a little bit of a, I didn't mean to put on like a preacher pastor hat there, but I think that's a huge part of a, of a dad's identity and his role. And so not having that is detrimental, man. It's just detrimental to a child to not have a man speaking that into a child's life constantly. That's what we ought to be doing for our kids constantly. This is who God's made you to be. 
You have what it takes. You've been adopted into his family. And I didn't have that. And I used to think that was the worst thing in the world to not have that. And I remember even as a kid thinking, I'm never going to give that to my kids. I'm never going to give them that reality that they don't have a dad around constantly speaking identity into them. And so when I became a dad, I wanted to be the most intentional man ever, the most intentional dad ever. Like I had dreamt about being a dad for years. And so when I became a dad, I was like, I'm going to crush it at this because I've longed for years, decades to be the kind of man for my kids, that the kind of dad for my kids that I longed to have when I was a kid. And so in many ways, I still feel that. I believe everything I just said to this day still to be true. But here's one thing that I've, I'm maybe learning. Not having a dad around is detrimental to a child. I think every family needs a man. I know that's like controversial words in 2023, but I, I believe to my core, I believe God designed it so that every family would have a man in their home leading them well. Now, obviously, God is good and he is creative and he can work with anything. We see that all throughout scripture. I was raised by a single mom. I didn't have a dad around and uh, and I still love Jesus and Jesus still loves me. And so God is gracious. And there's lots of those stories. There are a lot of single moms and there are a lot of dads who have to be absent for at various times for various reasons, maybe military or something like that. And so there's all kinds of circumstances. It's, I'm not naive to think that it's all black and white, but I do think what's best is that there is a man around that there is a man leading in the family. And I believe that to my core to this day. So when a dad is absent, it's detrimental. But here's something I'm learning. I'm learning that it might be just as bad, if not worse. I don't know this for sure. I can't say this for sure. But to have a dad around, but not really present. That wasn't my experience. And so I don't really know. I don't think anybody's done any research on this. So I can't pull any data But I'm just wondering, after hearing a lot of stories as I've traveled the country and world working with guys for the last seven, eight years, and I hear stories of guys in their childhood, you know, I used to view life just through my own lens. It's all I had. It's the only data I had. It was my own childhood, my own circumstances. But I've met tons and tons of guys who grew up with a dad who never left. He was in the house. He didn't bail. But he was emotionally, spiritually unavailable. And he was not really present with them. And so they would say things like, you know, my dad was there. Yeah, he provided. We didn't, we weren't like poor. We weren't homeless. We had a house to sleep in and we had food to eat. But my dad wasn't really there. Like I never really had deep conversations with my dad. I never was, had a conversation with him where he really spoke identity into me. I don't remember my dad teaching me things with intentionality. He was just kind of there. And I'm starting to wonder, dude, is that worse? I wonder what it would have been like for me. Again, I don't know this reality, but I wonder what it would have been like to have a dad in my home and yet not to feel like he's not really there. I feel like that would be crushing. And I know a lot of you guys, that's, dude, that's your reality. Like you grew up with your dad. He didn't bail, but he wasn't really there. I started to think about this um, in the context of the gospel. We want to filter everything that we do and see and think through the lens of the gospel. The Bible isn't just some random stories where we, uh, we read and hopefully we get some advice on how to live as better moral men, like the gospel, that the Bible teaches us who God is. And when we learn who God is, it shapes who we are and how we view ourselves. And we view everything through the lens of the gospel, the gospel being that God didn't bail. And, and so I tried to like, 
I was trying to view all of this through that lens. And here's what I came up with. You remember back in the scriptures, very, very beginning of the story, the Bible's one big story. The, the very beginning of the story, everything's perfect. Very first pages of your Bible, if you're just like, I'm going to read through the Bible from cover to cover, you get through the first page and you're like, this is amazing. And then things take a radical turn for the worse. Adam and Eve, they sin against God. They turn their backs on God. And you would think the story would end there, like that would be it. I've written about this several times, spoken about this several times, but God doesn't leave in the middle of their worst day, in the middle of their brokenness, in the middle of all of creation falling apart from the cosmos, the universe, like everything falling apart from the macro to the micro is falling apart. And in the middle of that, you see in Genesis 3, chapter 8, it says this, God walks with them. God is taking a walk in the cool of the day. God is with them. And that passage always just blows me away, man, because it's nothing like how I am as a dad when my kids mess up. When my kids mess up, can would they say, dad's with me? Or would they say, no, dad yells at me, or dad's mad at me, or dad sends me away? But God is with his kids on their worst day when everything's falling apart, God is with them. He's walking with them, among them, near them. The Bible says in the cool of the day, almost this language that brings kind of this calm in the middle of chaos. And this becomes like that from the very first pages of scripture, this becomes God's reputation. You fast forward to the book of Exodus where they're like making statues that God's people are making statues out of, they burn, they melt all their gold and they make these statues that look like cows and they're turning their back on God and they're sent, they're complaining against God and is he even real or why are we even serving him? I wish we were slaves again. All these like really hurtful things when God has been so faithful to them. And again, you would think, all right, God would leave. God has every right to bail on them. Like my dad bailed on me. But what do we see? God's reputation show up again, Exodus 25, 8. He says, then have them make for me a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Again, this is crazy because God could have shouted from afar. He could have passed by. I, again, I'm just like trying to compare this to my role as a dad, right? I'm with him. My kids are being disobedient. I jump in from time to time, and I kind of you know give a piece of advice, or I'll correct them, or I'll say something to them, but then I just move on with the rest of my day. But what does God do? God the Father with his children, Exodus chapter 25, he makes a sanctuary for them that I may dwell among them. This is who God is with his children. He's with them. He's among them. You see in Matthew 1 chapter 22, God puts on human clothes. He cannot get close enough to his children. It says, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Insane. Out of all the ways that God could have fixed the sin problem, out of all the ways that God could have rectified our sin and built the bridge to to cover the chasm of our sin and make things right, God decides he's going to dwell among us, with us. And if you just read that, that you start reading just the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read these, this passage, this verse that talks about God with us, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. But it's, it's so much bigger when you read it in its context, that this is God's reputation. He's always with his people. He's with them in the garden on the worst day of human history, Genesis chapter 3. He's walking among them in the garden. Exodus 25, verse 8, have them build a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell, what? Among them. Matthew chapter 1, John chapter 1, God with us, God among them, that I may dwell among them. Then as Jesus is getting ready to leave in John chapter 14, he says, his disciples freak out like, Jesus, how are you going to leave us? You know, like, what are we going to do when you're gone? Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. 
You're not going to be without me. I'll put my spirit. I will be inside of you. John chapter 14. I will be in you. Again, crazy. Where did God dwell before? He dwelled in sanctuary. He dwelled in, the, he dwelled in a tabernacle. He dwelled in the Holy of Holies. But now God says, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. That's how close I want to be with you. And then again, at the very end of the whole story, Revelation 21, there's this beautiful passage where God is making all things new. Finally, it's the day all of our hearts long for. And he says, I will be your God and I will dwell with you. Again, this is God's reputation from the very first pages of scripture to the very last. And, and the reason I tell you all that, and I know a lot of you guys have, you've read the Dad Tired books and you, you've heard the Dad Tired podcast for a while, and you may have heard me talk about this before, but I'm saying all of that in this context. I've been feeling the conviction lately that even though I haven't bailed on my kids, which if I'm totally honest, there have been times where I'm like, ah, dude, I don't, <laughs> this is hard. I, I don't know if I could do this. I've never like, the thing that's kept me, because I'm like, I can't do that to my kids. I can't do to my kids what my dad did to me and what every man did in my family. I'm not going to leave my kids. But dude, I've, you know if you're a dad, you're like, dude, this is friggin' hard, man. This is hard. So I've stuck around. I've been physically here. But man, the conviction that I feel is, am I really with them? Um, Chris Hilkin, who's a, he's a Dad Tired contributor here. He's a co-host of the podcast and done lots of episodes. He speaks at our Dad Tired retreat. I'm just a gifted teacher. He put together a series through the book of John in our Dad Tired community. That's a free community, by the way, if you go to dadtired.com and then just join the community. <clears throat> totally free. Meet other Dad Tired guys. But we have a free study in there that we'll be releasing publicly here real soon. But he goes through John 1 where he just talks about what does it look like to dwell among your kids the way that God dwells among his kids. And dude, it's so convicting, man, because I'm here and you are probably listening and you're probably there. You know what I mean? Like you're going to go home tonight or maybe you're home right now listening to this. Maybe you're mowing the lawn or you're working out or I don't know, maybe you're at work listening to this or in the car. You just left your family. You're going home to your family. Like you're, you're there, but dude, are you there? You know what I mean? Like, are you really there? And I don't know, bro. Like, I just have this, I have this deep conviction that I don't want my kids to be like, yeah, my, my grandpa bailed on my dad. And so my dad was committed to being with us, but he wasn't really with us, bro. That is not spiritual leadership. That is not being among your kids in the same way that God is among us. It's not that God just pops in from time to time. It's not that he just does these crazy miracles. The amazing part about God is that he's just with us. Most of the things that I mentioned, those passages, yes, it's miraculous that God puts on human flesh and that he puts a spirit in us. I mean, th those are miraculous things. But when we think of miracles, we're like, you know, make some guy's arm grow back or feed us with, you know, one loaf of bread, turn it into thousands. But the real miracle in all of it, the real miracle in God's reputation from Genesis to Revelation, the real miracle is that God is just with people. God, perfect, spotless, blameless. In many ways, you'd be like, we have nothing in common. <laughs> I mean, he's a, who are we? that you would be mindful of us, the scriptures say. Like, who are we that you would want to be among us, with us? I get that you would give us a book and toss it to us or have someone else deliver it to us and give us some advice, but the fact that you, God, are just with us, 
dude, that's the miracle. The crazy part that, bro, listen, right now you could pray and God is, gives you his full attention. Think about that. When you're done listening to this podcast and you pray, and you should, we both should. When we pray, we have God's full attention. He's not distracted. You try to wrap your brain around this. Somehow he's thinking about every other thing and fully engaged with you at the exact same time. He's not distracted. He, you have all of his attention. He is with you. He delights in you. He dwells among you. His presence is with you. His Holy Spirit is in you right now if you're a believer. Like insane. Insane. And bro, I don't, I don't know if our kids will remember all the crazy things. We actually just went on a cruise for Easter. We got away as a family. And I was speaking on a DC Talk cruise. Um, some of you are like, who's DC Talk? It's all, if you know that, <laughs> uh, I won't go on a tangent. Anyway, I was speaking on a DC Talk cruise a couple years ago, and I took my family with me. And I was asking my son about that as we were getting off this cruise. I'm like, hey, you remember, this was your, you went on a cruise before. You remember that last one? He's like, what? No, I don't remember. I'm like, you don't remember? Like all the time, all the memories, everything we did, all the crazy stuff we did. You went to the beach, you got to snorkel. You remember all that stuff? He's like, I have no memory of that. I'm like, it wasn't even that long ago. It's like two, three years ago. And you have no, he's like, I literally, I have no memory of it. My point is this. I don't know if our kids are going to remember all the miraculous things. And when I say miraculous, I say that in quotes. I don't know if they're going to remember all the crazy stuff that we did for them as dads. I don't know if they're going to remember all the presents that we spent a bunch of money on to put under the tree. I don't know if they're going to remember the vacations that we felt like we had to go in debt over or the big memories, or the things that we hoped would give them big memories. I wonder if they'll just remember, nah, dad was with me, man. Like, dad was with me. If I needed to talk to my dad, he was there. He was fully there. Not distracted, not prioritizing a hundred other things, but, but dad was there. And I wonder if that part of our reputation, if we can get there, would be evidence would be able to point back to a God that is always with them, that we could say with integrity and with confidence, son, daughter, I want to be always with you because there's a God who is always with you. One day, daddy won't be here, but there's a God who will never leave you. One day, daddy will be gone, but there's a God who will never be gone. And so I'm with you, son, daughter, as best as I can. I want to be as distraction-free as I can. I want to give you my full attention, all of my love, all of my joy, all of my delight. I want to give it all to you, but I really am doing it because I want you to know there's a God who gives you all his love, all his joy, all his delight, and all his attention. And so as I'm feeling this conviction, I'm inviting you to join in with me that we would say, dude, what's taking us away from being fully present with our kids, of dwelling among them, really? Not just being there, but being there. And you know what I mean by that. So what thing in your life right now are you like, dude, you're giving actually more attention to that, that person, that dollar amount, that boss, that project? What are you giving more attention to that you just say, dude, I, why is that person or that thing getting so much of my mental energy, my time, my money? Like, I'm going to set that aside so that I can just dwell among them as the leader of the home. Would that be one of our greatest qualities as men, as spiritual leaders, that we dwell 
among our children the way that God has a reputation of always dwelling among us. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.